At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invitae. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invitae genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting Invitae.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-A-E dot com. Previously on The Longest Shortest Time. I missed a period and... I was on birth control at the time, um, the birth control pill, and it was very unplanned. So, so yeah, it was, I don't know, it was crazy. It was totally insane. <laughs> I am only 21 years old, so I'm rather young, and um, I'm no longer living at college, so. So you're living with your mom and dad? I am living with my mom and dad. So I'm going to be a 47-year-old grandpa. Did, did Ellen tell you that she let us know on my birthday? No, she didn't. This is the Longest Shortest Time podcast. I'm Hillary Frank. This is the third episode in our I've Got News series. Last time we heard from Ellen. Now it's Grandpa's turn. We begin on Tom's birthday. My birthday was September 24th, and they came down and delivered the news at about 11 o'clock on... September 23rd. So the conversation bled over into my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Happy birthday. (laughs) So what, what, um, what was your conversation like when she came home and and you found out that yes, in fact, she was pregnant? There's so much to say. Um, when she told us, when she and Tim were there and we were having this discussion, and, and Tim was great, you know. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about this boy, I suppose. He, uh, he, he stayed pretty quiet, let Ellen deal with us and deal with it. Uh, weighed in a couple of times, but in a supportive and loving way. It was a pretty sweet performance by this young man, and, and that's something, you know. But for me... Um, my exterior self was saying, uh, we love you. And there's no question about whether or not we're going to show up for this. There's no question about whether or not we're up for this as a family. Um, you know, all of that good, loving, supportive stuff. And my inside voice was just basically saying, fuck this, you know, just, uh, you know, screw this. I'm not, I'm so not ready for this yet. I haven't even dealt with being an empty nester yet. I haven't even dealt with, I'm not even over you. How am I supposed to invest in this kid? You know, like I'm not over you being a kid yet. 
Well, yeah, and I'm not over you. It's not, not over you being a kid. It's just you know all of that psychodrama that comes with a couple of teenage girls in your house. Mm. And I'm not even over that yet. I haven't even had a, a chance to catch my breath. And and here this comes, you know. And I think it was like two or three weeks until I realized that I was up for it. I have realized, I've come to realize over the last several months that we're pretty lucky folk. Ellen is a very different young woman than she was four months ago. Um, she's just totally different in the world, Hill. Um, Ellen and I had a conversation at the end of the summer, beginning of her senior year. She said, Daddy, I feel like I'm waking up. And I said, waking up from what? And she said, and this is a direct quote, I remember this. I feel like I'm waking up from three years of ridiculous self-involvement and general assholery. <laughs> you know? And this is part of the, um, you know, really kind of, I don't know, poignant, if, if that's the right word. Part of this is, from my perspective, she was right on the verge of just killing it um, as a student for this last year that she had at college. And then she got this news, you know, and then she got pregnant and, and it just changed everything. So, um, so she was right on the verge of some pretty major changes, I think, anyway. And now she's just done. She's done. I mean, uh, she doesn't, it's not like she's looking for another great European adventure or something like that. She's looking for an apartment and stability and a good crib for her baby. And it's amazing. It's amazing. It's really hard to even explain the depth of, of just change. And it's kind of revolutionary, you know? So when, when she said that to you, was she pregnant yet? I don't think so. Um, I think it was, no, it was, that would have been, I know exactly when that would have been. That would have been mid August. And then she probably got, well, I don't know when, when count, count back from May 21, when she would have got pregnant, probably late August, you know, it, mid to late, it was probably right about the time that she was getting pregnant. There's a visual for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it was right around the time. Do you, do you feel like you now have this big thing that you can share with her? I know you were saying at first that, it, that it was really hard for you to stomach the fact that she was pregnant so young, but do you now feel like you have something you can share with her because you also were a young parent that, that whose wife got pregnant by surprise? I don't feel like, I don't feel like we're in the same situation though at all. I feel, uh, and maybe that's just self-important, but I, I feel like we were in a very different place when I got pregnant. I mean, she was 25 when she got pregnant, 26 when she delivered. Um, so we were several years advanced and fully self-sufficient. So it was a whole different world. I, at least I think, at least I think, and I don't know, maybe I'm just drawing false distinctions. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, just, I wondered, yeah, how you would view it. So, um, what, what's your what's your biggest piece of advice for her? My biggest piece of advice. 
I can't give advice to her, Hillary. <laughs> we're at the end of my, we're at the end of my useful. Um, oh man. Uh, it's really interesting that you bring that up because Heidi and I, I think it was last night when we were falling asleep or something. And Heidi asked me something about whether or not she felt and whether or not I felt um, they were prepared for different aspects of this. You know, even moving into an apartment together and establishing apartment life for themselves, much less dealing with the baby. Um, and I was and I was laying in bed thinking about this, and I asked Heidi, "When do you think it was that your parents?" had no more useful place in your life um, in terms of you getting it together for yourself as an adult? You know, when, when do you think their advice for you had sort of played out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just about now. I don't think really, I think Ellen, I think Ellen listens and I think, she will incorporate aspects of our influence into her life, of course, but there isn't any useful place for us to be in the advice giving mode anymore. What, what advice would I give to Ellen is a different question than what is my best advice to Ellen or what could Ellen listen to or what would she take on, you know? <laughs> so do you want to answer that? What, what would I, what advice would I give her? Yeah. Shoot. Um, advice I gave Tim, um, I'll, I'll actually, this is a, here's my advice and here's exactly the way it came up. It was the night that Ellen, um, and Tim came down to tell us of Ellen's pregnancy and they were doing their best and succeeding at being, you know, pretty effective grownups at this, dealing with us effectively as parents and as grownups. Hey, honey. Hi. My wife just came in. Hi, Hi Heidi. <laughs> Hi there, Hillary. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got home after a 14-hour workday, so I'm going to go downstairs and eat a tuna fish sandwich and have a glass of wine. Do it. <laughs> Take care. Hope Bye. Everybody. So, okay. So the door is closing. Now I'm back. Okay. So um, they had informed us of, of Ellen's pregnancy. And the conversation went on and, you know, after midnight and into my birthday. And Tim said something like, um, we can't really understand, but we understand that this is incredibly difficult for you guys. Um, so we want to be able to help you. So just ask for anything. Um, and what I said to him was, if you want to do right by me, if you want to help me, the most important thing that you can do is take care of yourself as an individual, not as Ellen's boyfriend, not as the baby's dad. Don't do this out of some perceived duty or anything. Take care, get your head right as a young man, as an individual in the world. Because if you don't understand what it takes for you to be happy, if you can't live your life as a self-actualized, happy young adult, 
you're going to be worth shit for my daughter and therefore worth shit for the baby. So if you want to do right by me, take care of yourself as an individual. And that means pursue your own individual happiness and satisfaction. And that's really hard to do when you're caught up in the middle of all of this drama. And I remember how it, what it feels like to lose yourself in caring for others. You know, you get so wrapped up in the kid that you can't even, you can't even, you don't even know what it means to be happy yourself anymore. And you get so wrapped up in the whole couple, family, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong thing that you don't, that you lose track of yourself in the process. And this saw, this sounds all very new agey psychodrama stuff. I think it's very actually basic human need. Um, I don't, I really, it, anyway. Now this, I, this sounds like amazing advice. This is like, I'm like tearing up because it's really like, it's hitting home with me. <laughs> it's, it's, that's great advice. I think for any parent. Well, I just, I just remember it. So, and well, then there's the moment with Tim later on that night, we were about to go to bed. We were just done. And it was two o'clock in the morning and, and we were saying good night. And, and Tim said something again, that kind of set me off. And, um, and I said, let's, let's go downstairs and take a little walk and, you know, turn off some lights or something. So we left everybody else upstairs and we went downstairs and I said to Tim, you know, look, um, if you're a father of a couple of teenage daughters like me who are reasonably bright and decent young people and um, you see guys come through your house, you know, you just it, and it's all very amusing the first time it happens and the first boyfriend who comes through and and you invest and you are interested. And then after a few years and two daughters and a bunch of boyfriends, it just, you know, you lose interest because you only have so much energy for so many things and your energy needs to stay where it needs to stay, which is on your kids. So you don't give a shit about the boys, the rotating cast of characters who comes through your door. You're nice, you're cordial, but you really don't give a shit. So up until right now, I said to him, I haven't given a shit about you. Um, I really have. It's not like I've, it's not like I've wished you ill or anything, but I really haven't cared one way or another. Now I do, you know, and I wasn't meaning to be threatening or anything, but it's now it's like, it's time for investment in one another, you know, <laughs> kind of, so it wasn't this, this like odious, I'm watching you now, Bubba, sort of thing. <laughs> like, it was more like, a, a, you know, let's get up for this together because we're, we're now involved with one another for the rest of our lives. That's just the way it's going to work, you know, God willing. Um, so anyway. How, how did he react to that? He just, boy, I'm telling you, Hillary, he was on his best behavior that night. He shut up and he listened and he gave me some yes, sirs. I was still sir back then. I'm Tom now. <laughs> but, um, you know, he was great. He was great. I'm telling you. Wow. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. <laughs> you, you you keep throwing in that cautiously. Yeah, I have to be. I don't know him that well. We don't know each other that well yet. We're getting to know each other. I like him. He's a nice young man. 
How do you think you have changed? And clearly you think Ellen has changed a lot um, in the last few months. How have you changed? I feel like I'm a very different person than when you first met me, Hillary. Really? Very. Very. Tell me. Um, I don't know. I feel... <sighs> it's It's hard to explain. I mean, I feel like I'm ready to accept middle-aged version of Tom. And I was never quite ready to accept that before. I always was, I always felt like a kid. So I behaved like a kid and I always, I guess I still feel like a kid to some degree, but now I'm much, much more at ease. Um, I, I, boy, talk to, talk to Ellen, Jill, Heidi, my brother, Joe, my mom, my aunts and uncles, anybody, and they will tell you that I am inordinately concerned with what other people think of me. I just don't give a shit right now. And that edge came off when Ellen gave me this news about the pregnancy. Hmm. When I, when I found out that she was pregnant and came to terms with this new normal for us, you know, and thought about, and you go through all this stuff. I mean, I always thought that, I don't know if it's true or not, but I think that so many people inside my, inside our families and outside of our families have always seen us as this, you know, idealized little perfect white bread family. And there's all the perception issues that come along with that. And, and I just don't give a crap what other people think. I'm just, I have so much to deal with emotionally and pragmatically inside my own house that I really don't care. If anybody else is going to be judgy, let them judge. It just so doesn't matter to me anymore. Has anyone expressed judginess to you? Oh, oh my God. It's been amazing. Talk about awesome. I mean, up and down the line, huge props to my mom huge props to my to my aunts and uncles and to our family to my my wife's mom i mean our church community you know that i'm active in my church and but golly i mean the first the first person that i said this out loud to uh, that i that i told out loud that ellen was pregnant to was our my pastor i gave him a call and i said look i think i need some pastoral care dude <laughs> so and we've known each other for a long time. And, and I went in and I met with him and I told him that I was pregnant and we sat down and we talked for a little while and it was really touching. He said, I remember a time when there was some event at church and we needed some youth to stand up and say something. And Ellen got up and said just exactly the right thing at exactly the right time. It might've even been about him personally and and he said, you know, she stood by me in a, a very challenging time, and I will stand by her, you know. And and to hear that, you know, from your senior pastor, first off, that just sort of set the tone, and, and everybody just up and down the line hill. It's been amazing, amazing. Uh, it's And imagine what this would be like in the fifties or the sixties or the seventies. I mean, my generation, when I was a kid, you know what people did when they went, when they got pregnant like this, they just went away. 
literally out of sight. And that's my generation. And we get to be, we get to not celebrate this exactly with our kids, but not be, um, you know, sort of marginalized because of it. What do you imagine your involvement will be? What? With, with the baby and Ellen and why i have so much trepidation about what this is going to be like five months from now because i have no idea how this is going to play out inside my own house we're just not there yet we'll do we'll we'll figure it out when we're there but i don't want this to be my kid i've done that you know and ellen and and i'm perfectly fine saying that because we're all on exactly the same page ellen and tim want this to be their kid not our kid and that's i think one of the reasons that they don't want to be living here when they have the baby one of the reasons that I'm so full of anticipation is because, um, you know, we're past shock and awe. We, we got over shock and awe. And now we have five more months left until May 21, where the baby's not here yet. And we don't know what life is going to be like when the baby's here. And this is actually kind of fun. It's very nice. It's 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 beautiful in some ways to be able to share Ellen's pregnancy with her this up close and personal, even if it's not ideal as far as she's concerned, it's a treat for me. And, um, and man, is bottom going to drop out in May. (laughs) (laughs) See, like, man, I don't know. Maybe there'll be another shock and awe phase. Who knows? Ellen is now seven months pregnant We'll check in with her again shortly before the baby is due and we'll follow her into early motherhood when we'll find out if and how the bottom does drop out and we'll probably follow Tom as well. If you like this show, please, please, please like us on Facebook. There's a like button at longestshortesttime.com where you can hear earlier episodes with Tom and Ellen in our I've Got News series. Liking us on Facebook is the best way to get updates on the show and any special Longest Shortest Time projects that I might be working on. Speaking of which, we got some really great creative answers on the Things I Tried post, and I'm mulling over what I might do with these answers. Keep them coming. Um, But if you are a new mom right now with a crying baby in your arms, definitely check out this post. There are a lot of really good ideas about how you might try to calm down your crying baby, things that you don't find in parenting books. Thanks for listening to the Longest Shortest Time podcast. I'm Hillary Frank, and as always, I am looking for stories of surprising struggles in early parenthood. If you'd like me to consider your story for this podcast, go to longestshortesttime.com and click contact. I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find 10. So we open a drawer here, and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Prince donated this guitar. (gasps) I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? 
This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket, right. worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide.